This program is brought to you by Suffolk University. Please visit us on the web at www.suffolk.edu. My name is Patty Jones. I'm an entertainment lawyer located in Boston. I work mainly with musicians, however, my practice now also covers literary authors, filmmakers, television, as well as intellectual property with respect to copyright and trademark. I am a 1992 graduate of Suffolk University Law School, and I teach entertainment law as adjunct faculty at New England Law Boston. I had the great pleasure of launching the music industry law page for LexisNexis, and I selected, I think, a very important topic that is now facing the music industry this year. It's a case that involves Dr. Dre's record company, which is a subsidiary of Interscope and home to artists like Eminem, 50 Cent, and Dr. Dre himself. It's called Aftermath Records, and Aftermath Records is a subsidiary of Interscope Records, which is also a subsidiary of Universal Music Group. So this is a really interesting case concerning digital downloads and the definition of digital downloads. The article is entitled, Super Freak Joins Slim Shady on the Definition of Digital Downloads, and Super Freak referring to the funk master Rick James, whose estate filed the class action as a follow-up to the M&M case. I'm going to read that article. Super Freak Joins Slim Shady on the Definition of Digital Downloads. The Supreme Court's March 21st refusal to grant certiari on procedural grounds to Universal Music Group, Aftermath Records, and Interscope Records in FBT Productions versus Aftermath Records, 621F 3rd, 958, 9th Circuit, 2010, cert denied, 2011, U.S. Lexus, 2255-2011, also known as the M&M case. Let's stand a significant... 2010 Ninth Circuit Court of Appeals ruling on the interpretation of pre-internet recording contractual terms. With FBT as the current rule of law, the music industry faces potential financial repercussions as well as new legal challenges to the interpretation of its old-school pre-digital age agreements. In the FBT case, the production company which first signed the now-famous rapper asked the Ninth Circuit to examine and interpret terms of recording agreements entered into in 2003 and 2004 with Aftermath Records, a subsidiary of Interscope and Universal Music Group. After conducting a 2006 audit, FBT determined that it should have been paid on permanent digital downloads and master tones that would be ringtones and ringbacks in accordance with the contract standard licensing language providing a 50-50 split of monies from licensing to third parties rather than a royalty percentage from 12 to 15 percent on records sold. The Ninth Circuit held that the contractual language was not ambiguous and relied on federal copyright law in its reasoning that Aftermath's relationship with digital retailers such as iTunes was a license and not a record sale. The court stated that pursuant to federal copyright law, the terms license and sale have well differentiated meanings. It stated that a sale of a work may be a transfer in title of an individual copy or a sale of all exclusive intellectual property rights in a work. See 17 U.S.C. Section 109 describing the first sale doctrine. As opposed to a license, 
where a copyright owner transfers a copy of copyrighted material, retains title, limits the uses to which the material may be put, and is compensated periodically based on the transferee's exploitation of the material. The transaction is a license. That's 17 U.S.C. Section 114F, 17 U.S.C. Section 111A, 114D, Section 115. In following this logic, the court stated that federal copyright law supports and reinforces our conclusion that the aftermath agreements permitting third parties to use its sound recordings to produce and sell permanent downloads and master tones are licenses. That's 621 F3rd at 966. The FBT decision, once effectuated, will result in windfall payments to FBT in 50% of digital download licensing revenue rather than its prior payment scheme of pennies received on net sales of downloads of the digital tracks. On the heels of the higher court's refusal to hear the FBT case, the estate of Rick James, the late legendary funk R&B artist who penned the hit Super Freak in 17, promptly filed the class action suit, also against Universal Music, using the FBT interpretation to assert that it was also owed unpaid licensing monies under James's pre-internet contract. Although Universal Music Group has insisted that the FBT case is unique and a fact-based decision, the James estate contends that it, as well as other potential class action plaintiffs, primarily heritage or legacy artists, who may have signed contracts from January 1, 1965 to April 30, 2004, and whom the court might certify as a class, are also owed monies pursuant to the Ninth Circuit interpretation of downloads as licenses rather than as royalty-based sales. Recording companies may respond by asserting contractual defenses such as tolling and incontestability of contractual rights under auditing and accounting provisions. At best, heritage legacy artist representatives are on notice to join the class against Universal. Query as to what artists and labels will next join the fray in asking courts to also interpret their contractual payout rights under pre-internet contracts. To date, Warner Brothers, Sony, and EMI have not been hit with pre-internet contractual interpretation challenges, but it's still early in the game. The potential payout under the FBT decision could prove disastrous for an industry already crippled with a decade of losses from peer-to-peer -peer piracy and a new set of legal questions based on cloud computing models. Amid the legal commotion, in a Buffalo cemetery where the original super freak Rick James rests in peace, a super freaky twist is also taking place. Reuters reports that a male deer has stood sentinel over a nesting female goose for several days, threatening humans and keeping them at bay. Can you hear Rick James croaking, ow, or let the audits begin? The real crux of this case uh, rests on the new interpretation or an alternative interpretation of the master's licensed provision under recording agreements, which has fairly significant implications and ramifications for these older contracts. The master's license provision in a recording agreement, the interpretation that those of us who practice this in music law is that that particular provision is supposed to apply to the master use rights for film, television, commercials, and then for foreign licensing. So this is really significant because when I look at a recording contract, I'm thinking master use, master's license, that means something different than record sold. 
I think what's going to happen is that because the implications are that these digital downloads are now considered these licensing agreements with iTunes, if all these record companies are going to start having to pay out under that ruling. And I believe that now the record companies are going to have to go back and either do settlements with their pre-internet, pre-digital age artists, or they're obviously going back to redraft in accordance with how this ruling came down. Because when record contracts are changed, they evolve to take into consideration the rulings in federal courts with respect to how some of these challenges come about. This is a major one for the record business, I think, in terms of this is a very creative argument that the FBT lawyers undertook to have the court interpret this particular provision in this particular light. I don't think as a music practitioner that I would have looked at it like this, and I think that most of us are probably, my jaw dropped when I read it, so I think most of us are having the same reaction. When the record companies amended all their contracts, to the extent that they amended, how can they amend all their contracts? All their new contracts have clear language that talk about the digital downloads. Where they may have fallen down is this amendment. In reading the language of the amendment, it could have gone one way or the other. The court had to interpret what a net sale was. And they decided that that net sale was a license. They or the normal retail channels. That's the, the the language is net sales through normal retail channels. And to them, normal retail channels now means a digital distribution. In the old school terms, it would have been just a hard copy sale. But now, you know, the new retail channels are digital. So they didn't even look at this the language of this amendment that talked about the net sales through normal retail channels. They looked at the fact that the original language of the 2004 contract was ratified, and that meant that they had to look at a license versus a record sale. There were actually two questions that came up. One was, can we interpret the contract? And then the actual interpretation of it. And so the fact that they even got to the merits, which was the actual interpretation of it, was the fact that FBT made this argument that contract was not ambiguous. This license meant that that was a digital download with a license. It wasn't a record sold. So all these contracts have to now be changed to clarify that a record distributed through the normal retail channels of a digital format is considered a record sold and not a license. The two main issues are that there is a potential windfall payout for all these artists, and second, that they're probably overhauling as we speak all of the drafts to include this language so that they're not having to deal with this in the future and at the same time considering how to settle and then have these heritage artists, legacy artists, sign amendments so that they are covered. This is how new technology and the record business keep up with each other. It's by means of uh, legal channels for lawsuits. It's how they evolve. All the case law considers how these contracts don't fit the technology. So it's very interesting how entertainment, especially in music, it's an evolution of the law, you know, meeting the technological challenges and the contracts, keeping up to speed with that. In this case, they didn't. This preceding program was brought to you by Suffolk University. Please visit us on the web at www.suffolk.edu.